This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This time, John Pica, Daisy O'Dare, and I, Eric Runderking Fisk, talk with Larry Amyet about one of his latest blog posts, Dark Deco, a new diesel punk flavor. This is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show number 81. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned. Would now be a bad time to tell you that I, I already started recording? No, not at all. <laughs> tell us about your. Tell us again about your sinus infection, there, Johnny. <laughs> I've had a horrible sinus infection the last three days, and uh, actually, Eric, when you and I spoke on Tuesday, I was uh, I was struggling with it, and it just got worse. Yep. And worse. Yep. And so I'm going to do my best to make it through this episode for you. But that's why we have Larry here to do most of the talking. Just Larry? You mean I like to talk? Well, no. Well, we're, we're going to be talking about you tonight, Larry. It's all about Larry. And the great, yeah, and the great work that you're doing. So I, I, I don't see any reason why to why we should like uh, belabor the 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 topic. I think we should dive right into it, Eric. Well, we're going to go around. We're do introductions as always. Um, I guess maybe tonight. All right. I think maybe tonight. I, I'm going to take the lead in introducing everybody. Uh, starting with myself, I am of course Eric Renderking. Fisk, uh, founder, co-owner, um, head chef, chief bottle washer over at the Fedora Chronicles. And uh, sitting here to uh, my uh, left is John Pica. Say say hello, Johnny. Hello, Johnny. <laughs> and of course, uh, we have the beautiful and talented Miss Daisy O'Dare. Some days beautiful, some days talented, never on the same day. And of course, oh, that is not true. Oh, I disagree on that. I, yeah, that is not the truth. Uh, you, 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 you are. You're the cream in my coffee. So I, th- you're terrific, Daisy. We, we, everybody loves you. Oh, jeez. So, and of course, the 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 guest of honor tonight. I, I, I don't know if 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 this is we're we're honoring Larry or is is this a celebrity roast? But we're going to be talking about Larry Amiet's uh, uh, article about cooking with diesel punk um, or the, the many flavors of, of, uh, of diesel punk tonight. As, as a matter of fact, I, I didn't create a show page tonight. Larry did. I took, um, I copied his web page, Dark Deco, a new di- a diesel punk flavor, and I just made that um, uh, the show page for this show, for the Fedora Chronicles radio show. And uh, and John, if you need to, you could actually probably do the same thing with uh, um, with uh, with the diesel Diesel Punk podcast simulcast of this. So yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny. We were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago, Eric. That about it feels like we need to do it every at least once a year. I don't know that we've done it uh, annually, but you know, we have new people who are joining the genre of diesel punk every day, and you know, it's been kind of our tradition for Larry to do a diesel punk university uh, at least once a year and, and do it. 
we started with a series and you know we've had a couple of abbreviated versions of it and you know lo and behold larry started publishing a new series of articles and it was really weird larry that you started publishing those articles when you did because um eric and i had been talking quite a bit about the founding documents of diesel punk and you know we've kind of taken this attitude lately right or wrongly of what have you done for me lately and and what i mean by that is that you know although we we respect and we look to what ottens and piecraft and and for that matter pollock did to lay the foundation of the genre that we love so much and and what we celebrate really truthfully those guys have not been around um we've not heard anything from those guys in terms of the diesel punk community in what, maybe 10 years, nine or 10 years. And uh, so we have been talking about how maybe it's time to uh, expand on or move past those initial ideas because the genre has evolved quite a bit. And lo and behold, you publish your articles. And um, I thought, wow, we're like on the same wavelength. Well, thank you, Johnny. Hi, everybody. Um, well, now I would say, I think that the a little difference on Nick Audens is still very active in uh, the diesel punk community. He has the Gatehouse uh, website, which has a diesel punk section. He still writes about diesel punk, so he's still very involved. Now, admittedly, uh, the his you know buddy founder, uh, how we want to say it, Benjamin Senna, who went by the term the name uh, Mr. Piecraft, uh, he's really moved on. Haven't heard a lot from him over the years. Uh, Pollock has well pretty much disappeared off the face of the earth um i tried early on trying to reach him and never had any success um but yeah johnny we did early on talk a lot about what is diesel punk and i think we need to maybe well one revisit some of the basics some of the definition uh maybe expand a little bit about that really good history that you just gave and uh, then maybe dive into some of the new ideas that's been um that i didn't so much develop as uh, have you know we've seen appearing in the interwebs over the last few years thoughts yes i was uh, <laughs> yes thoughts 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 all around i think that the thing that i've been trying to do over on the chronicles is go around and try and scavenge as many um founding documents that we can get our hands on and try and preserve them the best way that, that i can because there are a lot of uh web pages out there or websites that just don't exist anymore and i've been trying to use the um, uh, the Wayback Machine website to try and reconstruct mm -hmm. a lot of them. And obviously, if anybody has an idea of a document that either you would like for us to host, I mean, I'm talking to you, our audience, if you have a document about what is diesel punk or what diesel punk is to you, let me know, send it along, and we will host a copy. And I will help, I will work with you to make it look right in our, in our website format. And I'm sure that Larry, um, you know of a lot of people as well who would like to and Daisy has yet to give me her definitive article on what is diesel punk and uh, we're, we're, we're waiting oh I'm the one who's able to define it no no you need to Who? nobody can define it for you other than you what is diesel ah, gotcha. punk mean? what I mean is what does diesel punk mean to Daisy nobody nobody oh, I gotcha so so and I, I think that that's it I think that what a lot of people really need to do 
is to contribute a part of this because um, this is a this is a part of a conversation that um, John and I had for uh, a future podcast that I, I will be putting up shortly. Um, our 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 listeners who are listening to this now have already heard this, but it's not up on the internet yet as we are recording this, <laughs> which is weird. Little well, t- little time travel here going on. Um, but the thing yeah. is, is that um, there there is something weird going on in the retro punk community. And I think that before things go awry, I do think that we need to establish w- w- what what is the founding documents and um, and go from there because I am starting to see the waters being a little muddled between the difference between steampunk and diesel punk for good or for ill for whatever it's worth. So, and well, I, I go ahead. Oh, I apologize. I apologize. This, I'm kind of chomping at the bit. Um, there's a um, website that I established a, quite a while ago with Lord K, who is one of the early prominent individuals to the point that you probably, I think we I think we described him as being one of the founding fathers. He is. Diesel Punk Encyclopedia, um, which is dieselpunkencyclopedia.wordpress.com, which I made quite a few years ago. And uh, I'm ashamed to say I probably need to update it. Haven't done so in a little while. But in talking about founding documents, we have many of them already posted there. Uh, we have uh, Auden's and Senna's uh, famous Discovering Diesel Punk. We have my article, The Philosophy of Diesel Punk. We have another article written by Lord K. Titled Half Full, Half Empty, Russian Diesel Punk. Uh, we have the History of Diesel Punk, uh, written by uh, Mr. Pycraft. Uh, the Tenets of Diesel Punk, uh, so um, which was published by Tom Tom Wilson on Diesel originally on DieselPunks.org. So we do have quite a bit of the founding materials. Admittedly, I would probably like to have some others, like uh, some of the original. And you were absolutely right, Eric, that some of the major your websites have gone. Uh, the Flying Fortress probably being one of the most important of the original websites that's gone away because uh, they helped coin the concept that there were two basic ideas of diesel punk uh, that Johnny alluded to. And um, so, yeah, a lot of original documents, they have been preserved and you can find them at Diesel Punk Encyclopedia. It's actually in dieselpunkencyclopedia.wordpress.com and I'm linking yes, to it right now to uh, to uh, the show page. This is uh, um, um, episode seventy nine of the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show. So, um, so I would highly recommend going there. There's a lot of other stuff. Lord K and I worked quite extensively on that to create that. Um, so, you know, check it out. And I and I plan to update it soon with some of the more recent developments that we're seeing. I think. I th- well, th- let's ahead, talk about some of those more recent developments. And Larry, I think you have been shaping the discussion on that over the last three, four weeks or month or so. Well, before I do, let me just kind of go back one more step again. Uh, Eric asked uh, uh, about the definition of diesel punk. Uh, the definition that I am currently using is that diesel punk is a mashup of modern ideas with the style and spirit of the 1920s through the 19 through the early 1950s. The goal is to combine the zeitgeist of the past with today's ideas in order to build a better tomorrow. That's what I work with. Um, now, a little bit more 
more background, Johnny, you mentioned about Nick Audens. Uh, he wrote and who still writes about diesel punk at the Gazette. At, I'm sorry, at the Gatehouse, uh, which is an online diesel punk and steampunk magazine. He wrote an article back in May 2008 uh, in which we uh, he's referencing the Flying Fortress, who had coined the terms Atensian and Pycraftian, named after the two founding fathers. Basically, Atensian was uh, what if the heyday, the roaring 20s, the optimism never ended. So we have Sky Captain in the world tomorrow. Uh, it can also include a darker side, such as the Shadow or Big O. Uh, for uh, Pycraftian, we have extremely dark. So we have post-apocalyptic material. We have dystopian material, like the Man in the High Castle. And those were established early on. And what I've seen over the uh, years is that, well, really, if you try to use those terms in the context of a conversation, you get a glazed over look from the other party coming over their face. They don't know what Atizian mean. They don't know what Pycraftian mean. Uh, so uh, excuse me, Larry. I know exactly what Pycraftian means. It means baking. <laughs> 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 there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> I like that. That's good, Daisy. Um, so uh, what's appeared on the scene over the years are two terms. Uh, deco punk and dark deco and they seem to be the predominant trends or classes flavors which is the term I like to use because I like to think of diesel punk like a cookbook you don't have to go with just one a good a good recipe mixes different flavors uh, but these two deco punk and dark deco appear to be kind of where the genre is at at the moment um, deco punk uh, mm? Larry I had a question um, yeah do you think, and this just occurred to me as you were saying that that seems to be where the genre is at. Mm -hmm. When you and I started podcasting six years ago, which by the way, in May, it will be six years to the day. Wow. Um, when we started podcasting, you'll remember that the majority of Diesel Punk at that time was heavily influenced by military, World War II. Um, you remember early on, we had a very lengthy discussion with you, I, and Tom Wilson about the Nazi fetishism oh, yeah. in diesel punk. Do you think that maybe... Um, and I don't want to get into to politics necessarily, but do you think maybe the reason why we're seeing more of this embrace of the deco part of diesel punk is a rejection of more of the military aspects of the genre? That's an interesting thought. I had never considered that. Uh, now, I do think we saw deco punk appearing before uh, the election. For example, um, Barnes & Noble wrote that article that titled Why Decapunk Deserves to be Bigger Than Steampunk back in February of last year. Right, right. And I, I'm just saying it seems to have been a progressive trend. I'm not pointing to any uh, event per se or any uh, specific, uh, you know, pointing to anything specific in culture other than the overarching prevailing attitude in at least American contemporary culture is we don't want to be associated with anything remotely connected to the Nazis. Sure. And 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 rightly so. But it makes me wonder, you know, if that's not the the prevailing attitude that's kind of moving people more towards the deco element.
elements as opposed to the military industrial diesel elements. Uh, you know what? It's perfectly possible. I wouldn't say that it's not. And you may be noticing something that maybe really has some traction to it. Um, that is a possibility. When times are bad, people won't positive. Uh, some of the best musicals arose in the 30s. Uh, the worse that thing the Depression got, the more people wanted song and dance. Uh, so maybe you're onto something. It would make sense. I do want to interject here really quickly. I think that there has been a very, very conscious decision on the part of um, diesel punks everywhere that trying to distance ourselves from uh, the neo-Nazi movement because obviously we the only thing that we want to be associated with when it comes to the word Nazis is Nazi killer, Nazi fighter, Nazi stomper because we just, we, we absolutely totally reject everything that the Nazis believed in. We I don't even think that we even joke about um, you know how everything under the Nazi regime was great if you considered that the trains were always on time that kind of stuff there we have no tolerance for that we have no tolerance whatsoever for anything that the Nazis stood for and there has been a huge fight with especially in with me and the and the circles that I've run in to stomp down the people who admire the the uniforms I mean, they might be, there are ridiculous people out there who say, well, they may have been bad people, but boy, did their uniforms look great. No, those, those uniforms look evil. I know it sounds crazy to say this. Those uniforms looked evil. They look like the epitome of evil. And we've been working very hard to stomp that out. Daisy? They're a symbol of evil. I mean, to people who suffered under them and to people who have come from, you know, people who fought against them, they are literally the symbol of evil, you know, and why anybody would want to glorify that's way beyond me. Well, I think it gets back to, you know, I agree with you. I agree with everything people are saying here. The, a lot of times people uh, disconnect and some of it is, you know, I think is the fault of genre punk to be just blankly honest with you. Uh, there's a lot of World War II diesel punk art and some of it includes uh, the neo-Nazi not the neo-Nazi, but, you know, fantasy Nazi technology and uh, people disconnect and they say ooh you know that looks cool yeah but this is all revisionist fake history anyway uh, so no very good points very good points um, so what we've been seeing on the internet is the rise of these two genres. Uh, now, there's a lot of similarities between what... Oh, and I should mention the third one that's appeared. Um, it's very small, very minor. It's I call it gothic diesel punk. Um, it, it's a, in many ways a subclass of dark deco. Um, now, John Wilson, I'm going to give him a, a, a shout out to John on here. That's where I first learned of Dark Deco is from John Wilson. Uh, very, uh, uh, very Laurel Diesel Punk, uh, very active, very neat guy. And um, he's posted several links and some information about Dark Deco and how that was coined in the development by the staff of Batman the Animated Series. So a real shout out goes to John uh, for bringing this to our attention um, about this genre. So that's what we're looking at now uh, as being, I think, it's certainly the first two, Deco Punk and Dark Deco, as being the where the genre is at. That's the term I keep going back to. Uh, they accomplished a lot. They include a lot of what had previously been hopeful Ortizian and uh, uh, Pycraftian. Um, but uh, I mean, we've got to remember the tribute. You know, what the de 
that we owe Nick Aldens and Benjamin Senna uh, for uh, the work they did. But, you know, this is really seems to be where the genre at. And it's um, I find it very interesting. One, one of the things that I would like to be able to address here really quick with um, what has been going on with uh, the, the entire diesel punk movement is that I've been keeping a close eye on what's going on in uh, with the fashion weeks, men's fashion weeks. And I'm mm-hmm. sort of like, I mean, I haven't looked hard enough, but I've seen enough to be very encouraged with the fact that a lot of the ridiculous looks and styles that we almost came to blows with in other circles uh, in last year's shows has sort of been um, shunned. And we're not seeing the kind of ridiculousness that we saw in last this year. I have seen a lot of deco inspired um, uh, clothes and you put a link up on your dark deco. Uh, um, blog uh, to a link to how to find dark deco fashions. Has anybody had a chance to look at that stuff yet? I have not followed the link. I've been a bad co-host. Well, obviously Larry must have, or he would not have put a link up. Larry, you've seen, you've, you've checked out that link. I, I, I can only assume. So I was disappointed and the site didn't have much in the way of, Hey guys, this is what's coming down from, uh, you know, uh, the fashion houses. There was a little bit and a few images I did see was like, mm, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, then again, what I really liked was how it was their definition of dark deco, uh, which they said was the notion that elevated luxury has been one that has driven design for generations. With a slant toward the decadent and ways of elevating classic style, dark deco starts with the 1930s where plenty of grandiose was the norm mix in the romance of 1980s new wave with an exaggerated silhouettes and a novel approach of blurring the lines between genders and even formality and you get a fresh presence that's as poetic as it is edgy regardless of what the fashion looks like that sounds great to me (laughs) well you you know what's really funny about that Larry I I read that quote and Eric and I a couple of months ago had had a conversation about the movie Back to the Future mm-hmm. and how it had occurred to me that the Back to the Future series, much like some of the other film properties that we talk about, could technically fit in a diesel punk motif. And, and my point was the fashion of the 80s, the 1980s. If you go back and you look at movies from the 80s, there's a lot of this, this retro fusion in the styles of the 80s. You know, we, we see a lot of, you know, waste coats and ties and fedoras and trench coats and you know mashed up with the contemporary new wave punk rock city and in some ways you know the 1980s fashion may have been the most diesel punk fashion that we've seen really um, but uh, but it's interesting that that article kind of said the same thing, you know, combining the, the, the fashion of the 30s and, and the you know pop culture fashion of the 80s. Um, I, th- I thought it was interesting that someone else made that connection. Yeah, I mean, you know, sure, I wish, you know, heard the word, you know, diesel punk dropped in there somewhere, sure. But that is really a good definition of a diesel punk fashion, what they describe. And that's one reason I uh, I linked to that. And you're absolutely right uh, about uh, the art of that. Who, um, I think of the art. Oh, yeah, Patrick Nagel, Nagel I think is how his name is pronounced, N-A-G-E. 
N-A-G-E-L. I'm sorry. N-A-G-E-L. Patrick Nagel. Uh, I always thought his art was very Art Deco. And he was the one that did these extremely stylized few, uh, portraits of women. He did the cover of Duran Duran's Rio yeah. uh, album. Um, I thought that he was very Deco, Art Deco in that. Yes. And that he was big, big, big in, in the 80s. Yes, absolutely. And that's and so, that, that's why so many of us, uh, myself included, is that we, we really do sort of like to have a nostalgia for the 80s. But just to say this people say this time and that time this period and that period it was the best time to be you know a diesel punk no now is the best time to be a diesel punk um, yes sir especially with with the internet the way it is today and how it is everywhere um one of the things i've also you know noticed is that i mean a lot of our groups and i've said this again our groups just keep growing exponentially um because and especially what we have been doing with with um, cross-pollinating all of the groups. We've been linking all the groups together to make sure that everybody is well represented. I think that that has done nothing but help and support the, the movement. Um, one of the things that I did sort of notice, and John and I talked about this in the last podcast that I'm that I'm putting together, and, and it will be up shortly. Although, if you're listening to this now, you've already heard it. I have noticed is that... Um, and John and I touched upon this in the other show, um, but we really didn't have a chance to really get into it because we were talking about what's wrong with conventions and how can conventions be better? One of the things I, I, I've noticed is diesel punk misappropriation within the steampunk community. There were at this, um, at the at the um, Tower Hill Botanical Gardens that they had their steam, stem punk uh, show. There, were a, there was a lot of work there that was definitely Art Deco. It was definitely diesel, or at least gasoline-powered inspired machines that were that were, had been used to create planters and potters for, at this botanical garden. And I do seem to think. Are we seeing a cross-pollination of diesel and steampunk, or are we witnessing diesel punk misappropriation by the other punks? What say you? Well, real quick, something I saw this week on a uh, steampunk forum is that because so many steampunks love World War One, that they that there are leaders in that genre that are extending their timeline to include World War One, and that's like a movement in the steampunk world right now. I have no problem. Problem with that. I've said from day one, World War One is a no man's land, to borrow a phrase from the war, where uh, either steam or diesel can lay claim to it. Uh, it started out in the Edwardian era with horse and buggy, uh, and by the time it uh, uh, ended, we came out with real airplanes, tanks, um, and it, it planted the seed for what would become the lost generation uh, that would so form the 20s uh so no we were born in world war one we can claim claim to it steampunk died in world war one as far as i'm concerned and they're welcome to lay claim to their own funeral <laughs> <laughs> i love that that is awesome <laughs> i love that but um and uh, here's a, now from from a, a woman's point of view daisy what do you think about who should claim the world war one decade well 
you know, it is kind of a it is kind of a gray area. And, and I'm gonna borrow uh, I'm gonna borrow um, sort of a concept from uh, it's kind of embarrassing, but when I was in my teens, I used to be really into astrology, so I still have all this information. And you know, if you are born at the very end or at the very beginning of the sign, you know, they say you're born on the cusp of that sign, so you still have qualities from the one that's coming before or after. You know, there's this crossover period here. So I figure if you are steampunk, you can claim World War One as the end of your inspirational era. If you're a diesel punk, you can claim World War One as around the beginning. And, um, you know, that might even... Uh they might even be able to tell different kinds of stories because, you know, as the era of steam is ending, it's it's where steam really passes the baton to diesel is what I think is happening in World War One. And, uh, you know, people have been kind of vague about when the when the periods begin and end. But I think World War One is the definite cutoff point for me for the end of steam and the beginning of diesel. I like that about the cusp. That was very, I like, I like that a lot, Daisy. I think that that's an awesome point, Daisy. And, you know, thank God for you. I mean, who would have ever thought, had, had that perspective? It's kind of where, yeah, they mix together a little bit and then diesel punk takes over, basically, is what I'm saying. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, see, my timeline, I know some of us here have different timelines for diesel punk. Uh, and I've expressed before that my timeline, what, you know, Daisy and I was just talking about, we arose out, we out of the blood and filth of the trenches of World War One, and then in my timeline, Diesel Punk dies in the uh, in Korea. Um, so around '54. So you know, it's born. You know, it's born blood. It dies in blood. Um, so, and I think Johnny, you have a, a different timeline, if I remember correctly. I I extend it to '57, but yeah, I mean, for for the most part, it's I mean, it's that same time period. And, and for me, it's because of the launch of Sputnik, which, um, and I talked about this at uh, Anacrocon this past weekend, and, and I had really, really struggled previously to find words that expressed why I really felt Sputnik was the, the change. Um, but it, it came to me while I was doing my What is Diesel Punk panel, and I, I really, I, I've said before, it's because we saw a, a change in culture, which we did, but it was the way the, the culture changed. You know, previously, it, it was we had mostly talked about the diesel era ending with the dropping of the atomic bomb. And while we saw technology change, the culture didn't really change that much until we get to 57 and the launch of Sputnik. And, you know, I thought about why. And, and it occurred to me that, yes, even though the atomic bomb was, was uh, you know, earth-shaking, <laughs> never mind the pun, um, and and really was technologically a leap forward, it was still terrestrial. It was within the, 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 the sphere of our globe. But once Sputnik broke the orbital plane, all of a sudden, possibility of actually leaving our terrestrial ball and going to the stars became a reality. And that's where I think the real cultural shift was, because now, whole Holy cow, nothing is impossible. Yeah. Eric, Does that make is, sense? Um, oh, that makes I understand exactly where you're coming from. I do indeed. And that's a really good explanation. That's the best one I've heard from you on uh what your logic was. And I understand your logic. You know, still differs, but you know what? That's that's why like, like Eric said earlier when he was asking Daisy, what is your definition? And that gets back to uh this is your timeline. Um speaking of that, Eric, what is your timeline on these? You know what? My my timeline 
timeline is is a, is a little different than everybody else's because um, it's I think that it, it's obviously um, with the birth of the Art Deco mo, mo, whenever Art Deco became mainstream um, in the Western world I think that is actually the beginning of the, the of the of the diesel punk um, not the, not the diesel punk years but the diesel punk in, uh, is the source material is where it where it comes wow. from um, and the thing is is that for me it was it, it I think that it was right up right up there with Sputnik and then when everything you can actually see a uh, the switch was flipped in everything from the pop culture art to science fiction um, everything sort of sort of switched it went from being sort of clit, uh, kitschy um, and kind of like kind of goofy cartoonish with and then there's the atomic punk decades the Cold War um, decades I think that but I mean the, for me it was there was there has always been this sort of like this underground movement with our our fathers and our grandfathers who are just like I don't I don't want the Art Deco jazz era to end I think that there has always been since 1920 these people say this is it this is exactly the way it should be and I'm not going to budge and I wish that we had the name for these people I there's this one gentleman when I was a kid, his name was Mr. Audette. And he lived in the neighborhood where I lived in, and he he was a de- he was a diesel punk. I don't think he ever used the phrase diesel punk, but he was a guy who dressed as if it was still 1945. Um, in in 1974, I remember he he had a um he he had the the styling of that era, and I thought he was a terrific character, and he was an inspiration for me. But I think that I I do think that um I think diesel punks do have to sort of give it up for the launch of Sputnik as being the end of our of our era that we gather inspiration from. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, well, of course, now the reason I cut it off at 54 was, well, we saw, if memory serves, uh, the beginning of commercial television, which heralded in the end of the golden age of radio. Uh, we saw the end of the jazz age with the birth of rock and roll. Uh, we saw the first proxy war uh, with Korea. We saw the... Um, McCarthy hearings kick in in 54. All of that, oh, and the, some of the first nuclear-powered submarine with the Nautilus. Yeah, yeah. We saw the first nuclear-powered uh, electric plant go online. Uh, so all of that points to me, to 54, so that, um, now, that being said, I'm trying to remember, and I'm embarrassed that I don't, the um, Korean conflict, how long? 51 to 53. It, 53? Yeah, I think I, I'm almost, I'm 100% sure that, it, uh, you know, I'm often, I'm often wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, well, Lord Wiki agrees. Uh, it looks like they're placing it the ending in '53, and that would fit uh, for my timeline. Yeah. Um, well, now wait, wait, now wait, wait. Actually, I almost have to push it back to even earlier than that because 1950 was when it began. Um, but if wait, I wait, got, the, hmm? the the Korean War was 51 through 53. Um, yeah. yeah, it was only 50 to 53. Yeah. I, I, we, I used to watch Mash. I thought it was an Olympic. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. is, that, is that the entire war, or is that just U.S. involvement in the war? I think no, the uh, it began June 25th when North Korea invaded 1950 when they invaded South Korea. Per Lord Wiki. Okay. Um, and then the fighting ended July 27th, 1953, when the armistice, which has been in effect ever since. I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say something right now. I am I I'm going to admit that I was wrong. 
uh, June 25th, 1950. Yeah. To July 27th, 1953. So, yeah, yeah no, right. I was I was uh, I was wrong. Uh, how about that? So, it, 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 it no, you were very close. You it, it you went to 53 and that yeah. was my question, when did it end? And I think you said 53. So, no, 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 don't uh, give yourself credit. You got the ending right on. And um, so that's why I place my time frame as it dying slowly in Korea is I believe all these cultural icons, tropes of the diesel era. By the time Korean War ended, the what we know of now, Johnny's right about something else. Johnny, uh, a, there was a lot of decadence all the way in because we have the Rat Pack, the American Standards. We still have film noir all the way up to uh, I think it was a touch of evil. Um, so, and that's well, all very diesel pump. Yeah, well, and, you know, my thing is, and and this is where I've seen the biggest evolution in diesel punk over the last six years. When when I discovered diesel punk, it was from you know I I come at it from a stylistic point of view. But when I discovered diesel punk, it was very much uh, focused and centered around the the technology of the diesel engine, because that was like the natural progression from steam technology to diesel technology. But what I've seen over the last several years, and I would say the last three years in particular, is the shift and less emphasis on the uh, technology of locomotion and more emphasis on the style and aesthetics that define the era. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I've said it to a lot of people that, you know, steampunk kind of suggests, you know, that technology stopped development with the steam engine and everything is based on steam. But from my perspective, especially lately, diesel punk stops stylistically and technology progresses, but styles and aesthetics stop with that era and that's that's kind of how i view it okay. now in defense of steampunk i haven't been within that community for a while but back when i was steam was a metaphor for the victorian era so in a lot of steampunk you don't have steam engine per se necessarily you can but they do like we do in diesel punk they have fantasy technology you know ray guns you know and spaceships and even it really stands for victorian uh, diesel is a metaphor for the jazz age. Uh, and I guess when it comes, and you have a very good point, and I think it's an excellent point, which is we shouldn't hook on the technology too much. We should hook, uh, we should focus on the culture. Uh, to me, there's a dramatic, you know, the 20s, you know it in comparison to the 30s. 20s, you think, um, you think, ja you think flapper, you think gangster, you think prohibition, uh, you, you think silent movies. In the 30s, you think the great musicals, you think big band. Uh, in the 40s, you think World War II. Um, but see, then suddenly things changed in the 50s. You don't think about any of that in the 50s. You think I Love Lucy well, in the 50s. I, you I, think Red Scare. You think rock and roll and Elvis and Buddy Holly. The, uh, the 1950s. The 50s. I, I will say this. Um, I'm sorry, Larry. So That's okay. And in the 60s, you think JFK, Vietnam, and hippies. Uh, and rock music um so and we could go on and on with the different decades so to me decadence yeah 
Decadence never completely died thanks to great people like the Rat Pack. But Decadence, as we know of it, the jazz age, that's why I place it predominantly in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And that's where I'm going with that. You know, as a matter of fact, I was just um, looking at a couple of a couple of things, a couple of bookmarks that I have. Um, and one of the things that is really sort of important to realize is that there there are there a lot of things had sort of overlapped in the early 1950s. Um, in the 1950s, I think it was up until 19. I think it was 1956. Um, men, there were you could still buy decent fedoras with the t- with the tall stove t- pipe um, um, shaped crowns sure. with with the sure. medium to wide brims, pinstripe suits, and there there was sure. still a lot of a big big band swing orchestras sure. and bands that were being backed up, or they were they were back up for the rock and roll performers. Um, mm-hmm. And there, and a lot, the, a lot of the, the what I consider the beatnik era was sort of like it, it was a lot of the beatnik era was, was a switch from big band to to jazz quartets or or jazz trios then to rock and roll there's a lot of intermingling there I think that there was still a lot a lot of a lot of people were hanging on very very strongly back then to that the art deco art nouveau um, style to it and it and I had just realized this. I had I had always thought that Art Nouveau came after Art Deco. I didn't realize looking oh, no. at looking it up, it was the other way around. Art Art yeah. Nouveau is what led to Art Deco. Um, yeah. But yeah. the thing is, is that the Art Deco look is um, it is it 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 does have a very Art Deco vibe to it. Um, and you can see how one led to the other. Um, so. Oh, I agree. I, I love Art Nouveau. It's really almost a steampunk art style yeah um, exactly it's and it's very it's very popular still there's still a lot of contemporary art nouveau being done right now uh, and you're right. There is a, a lot of old, there was a lot of overlap. Uh, a lot of it is the older generation. Uh, the teenagers were the ones that moved away from, and they went to jazz. But it wasn't the jazz age style. It was the uh, modern jazz that uh, the jazz that those of the 1920s would not have recognized. No, absolutely the jazz not. Of the 1950s uh, or the beatniks. It, youth culture, if we want to use that as a guide, and I, I mean I'm hesitant, but if you want to use that as a guide, they're the ones that changed. But the remember the GI generation they still wanted to hear their music and they're the ones that now was middle class with kids and they had and then when the kids went off to college they had empty nesters and they had money to spend and they saw the uh, uh, the last of the you know the big band the Duke Ellington's and the uh, so forth and again I go back to the Rat Pack again who survived all through the 60s and 70s with Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra and um, Sammy Davis Jr. putting out new stuff, and they kind of kept they kept the Diesel era alive. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. There's a lot of crossover. You'll find televisions at some of the world fairs in the 1930s. Uh, so there's crossover going backwards too, but I just think you have to look at the predominance. The so that is that ten cent word zeitgeist of that era, and uh, I see where Johnny's coming from. I see where you're coming from. That the zeitgeist it was a landmark moment, Sputnik. I agree completely. I just think the, the overall spirit of that era had started to change four or five years or more prior to that event. But hey, you know I'm not I'm not right. I'm not wrong, and neither is anybody else here. 
podcast. Well, I think that I, I think that that's the issue why we keep doing podcasts that always have this theme attached to them about you know what is the definition of diesel bunk? When does it start? When does it end? And well, that's one of the reasons why it's just so damn fun to talk about. And I think that the reason why there is so much gray era era there's so much gray area in the this era. Very good, Eric. Um, is because <laughs> is because of this is the issue. But um, I I do want to switch topics for us for um, for yeah. the rest of the show if it's at all possible. Um, I do some occasional guest writing at, at the Steampunk Journal, and I and yesterday I had a new article that was published. Um, and it was about uh, um, Jules Verne. And one of the reasons why I think that everybody should read Jules Verne. And I'm going to look up the article here real quick. This I think this will only take a second. Um, but the thing is, is that I, I wrote a review of Jules Verne's Mysterious Island. And, I, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, is that most of my article was written about why I think that if you're going to call yourself a steampunk, you have to read Jules Verne uh, and the other works from that era and including H.G. Wells. I think that those are important works, but especially Jules Verne uh, because uh, his work is so descriptive. The, mm-hmm. Now, and the thing is, is that I consider for being an aficionado, aficionado of steampunk, you have to read um, Jules Verne to be fully versed. To be a varsity steampunk, you actually have to read and apply Jules Verne. The question that I have for a lot of us is, um, and it's also tied into my next article about cultural illiteracy we steampunks have um jules verne what what do diesel punks have that's a good question well well we have f scott fitzgerald <laughs> true and true. then and a great american novel the greatest we have george novel, orwell greatest, huh george orwell yeah and ray bradbury ray bradbury oh, yes ray bradbury yeah. aldous huxley uh, and H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft. There you go. Uh, and we had. And, H, did somebody mention H.G. Wells? Well, oh. he was he was writing into the Diesel era. Uh huh. Um, but but the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, the majority of his stuff was published in the G- Diesel era. Well, so, so we've yeah. got quite a bit, Eric. Yeah, but the thing is, is that can, I mean, could you consider yourself a varsity Diesel punk without reading that work? I think you have to read Lovecraft. I think you really should read Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, to get a feel I, I, for the era, I don't see how you can't. By the way, the yeah, na- did, uh, didn't Fitzgerald write? Um, I, I mean, of course, Great Gatsby, but was it his other great work, uh, Spirit of the Age? Is that what I, it was called? No. Uh, his first book. Um, you, you, uh, his you, first, actually, the actually his book, uh, Great Gatsby, was a commercial failure. Um, his first major book, the one that this side of paradise, that was his big, big book. That's the one that made him famous for that era. Um, the beautiful and the damned was also successful. Uh, the great Gatsby, uh, he had they they had him piled up in the warehouses when he died. Uh, the last tycoon was his last book. None of that was a tender as the night. The phrase tender as the night is more famous than the book itself. Um, so no, he actually wrote very little, mostly short stories for magazines. And of course, he wrote. 
the Amer- great American novel, Great Gatsby, by all no- the novel that all novels were compared to. I think it's a, I think it's amazing how um, there are so many novels written by all <laughs> there are so many novels written by authors that aren't really popular until after that they've passed away, and I'm still having a hard time. I'm trying to sort of um, I'm trying to wrap my mind around how come the Great Gatsby I- wasn't as well received as his other novels, but. Well, it, I just I just found the one that I was trying to think of. It wasn't Spirit of the Age. He, he wrote a, a collection of short stories called uh, Tales of the Jazz Age. Yes. Yes. That's yes. what I was thinking of. He sure did. That's it, uh, and that, Flappers and Philosophers was another of his uh, highly successful short stories. Uh, Flappers and Philosophers. And you're right, Tales of the Jazz Age. I forgot about that. I do think it's amazing how um, his name keeps coming up as a sort of like essential writing. And, and but the thing is, is it who is our Jules Verne though? I think I, I think that you would be you would be hard pressed to nail down one one writer for diesel punks that is essential that everybody should read, like Jules Verne is to steampunks. Oh well, actually, well, diesel punk. I would actually say you have to go afterwards with uh, Philip K. Dick. Uh, who wrote one of the first diesel, true diesel punk novels, if you mean proto-diesel punk. Yeah. Uh, well, we heard a lot of names just a few moments ago uh, with um, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Uh, yeah, I would I would say Burroughs is our Jules Verne. Okay. Hmm. Because everything everything that we get for for contemporary uh, high adventure and science fiction, in my mind, originates with Burroughs. Uh, we don't have Indiana Jones without John Carter of Mars and Tarzan. We don't have Star Wars without John Carter of Mars. We don't don't have Planet of the Apes without John Carter in Tarzan. Isaac Asimov's a good one too. He's our Jules Verne. He wrote I Robot in what, nineteen forty? But there are going to be uh, people yelling at us saying that he, he his work is more Adam Punk than anything else. But if you uh, but I'm telling you if well, we that, no, no, no. And, See, it, and that's the case that I make there. There, that there is no such separate genre as Adam Punk. Adam Punk is equatable to Deco Punk. It's just on the uh, other side of the, the bookshelf. The, those are the two, in my mind, the two bookends of diesel punk genre: Deco Punk and Adam Punk. And besides, all of the robot books were written between 40 and 50. Yeah. Um, don't forget C.S. Lewis, Out of the Silent Planet, 1938. Uh, I mean, who hasn't read that? Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, Le Sprague de Camp. Or, uh, or The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, for that matter. Right. Uh, oh, and oh, I forgot about Asimov's Foundation series. I, see, I'm gonna, to the 50. before you go any further, I'm going to tell you right now, if you, uh-huh. are, if you are a diesel punk and you love Isaac Asimov, Asimov's work. Scott Brick, who reads the audible versions, he reads them as if they are like a like a, a pulp defect defect uh, detective story. He also read the prequel to the Maltese Falcon, uh, Spade and Archer. Uh, the way that Scott yes. the way Scott Brick reads the Foundation novels, it sounds exactly like like space film noir space opera wow. film noir it's it, it, what he does with it we owe him a great a debt of gratitude for the work that he did with those books reading those books for audible um or simon and schuster uh, audio uh, absolutely oh, must read and 
I just saw looking for some names. George Orwell. How did I forget George Orwell? Daisy 1984. Said, Daisy. Daisy. Daisy said, said George Orwell. I did. Well, did you? I didn't hear you. I'm I so did. sorry, Daisy. I did. Good job. Good job. So, so Daisy, who are we missing for writers then? If you know, who are we missing? Let's see. We've been through. Uh, who are we missing for writers? Are we talking about mostly just science fiction and things like that? No. I mean, who is the who is the Jules Verne? Of Diesel Punk. Well, when you say the Jules Verne of Diesel Punk, what kind of what kind of role do you mean that plays? Well, the thing is, is that for I think that the way that Jules Verne wrote a lot of his um, a lot of his prose, a lot of his novels, is very descriptive, very very deep and powerful. He writes or he wrote all of his work almost as if it was a how-to manual for steampunks with his with his descript yeah. with his description. The, the thing is, is that is there an essential fantasy writer that we should read from the diesel punk era that that is obviously essential? I, you know, I don't think there is this one. I don't think there's this one author because, you know, we have all these different flavors <clears throat> of diesel punk. Some of it's more inspired by the film noir. Some of it's more inspired by science fiction. Some of it might be in more space oriented. Some of it might be more military oriented. So. So I personally cannot see one writer in particular who I've seen all the diesel punks gather around. The closest I would come to that would probably be to Lovecraft, but the steampunks also want to claim him too. So I I don't know. I don't know if you can if you can say that there is a one Jules Verne of diesel punk. Yeah. But guys, yeah. we are we are Good. we are forgetting we are forgetting mm-hmm. some incredibly important creators, writers, not just writers, but uh, artists. Joe uh, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, Jack Cole, right? Bill Finger, um, Orson Welles. Oh yeah, Orson yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, what, uh, Gibbs, Walter Gibson, um, uh, uh, Norvell, the creator of uh, the the Spider, and and uh, you know uh, Jack. Cole, uh, I think I mentioned him, creative plastic man. Um, you know, so we've got uh, Dr. Marston, creative Wonder Woman. Okay, I think the point that Johnny's making here is the reason that I'm thinking there isn't this one Jules Verne is because the Diesel era is where we got um, we started getting mainstream things like comics and films and more mass production of entertainment. Whereas you know, with the Steam era, you had books, you had early film, you had plays on the stage, but Diesel era, it isn't just books anymore. It isn't just, there's also comics, there's also film, there's early television. There are a lot more things to consider than just writers. That's a very good point. I mean, they were, it was all about print in the steam, in the Victorian era. That's a very good point. They had the Penny Dreadful novels, but you know, and various pulp magazines, but you're right, Daisy. Uh, it changed because now we have radio and comics and television. I mean, movies, yeah. like you mentioned, and that's a very good point. Well, guys, I got. It. I think uh, this is the perfect time to 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 wrap it up and uh, bounce it over to our audience. Um, just just go to our our, uh, uh, our our Facebook groups and just drop us a line. Who who are the essential um, authors that we should be reading in the realm of diesel punk so that we can call ourselves cultural culturally literate in in, in our field. Um, so, Larry, do you have any 
last words? Well, and you know, uh, I like that idea. Now it is time to hear from, uh, because, you know, we can talk, but when it really gets down to it, it's the everyday people that are listening to this podcast that makes Diesel Punk what it is. Otherwise, it'd be the four of us sitting around talking to each other. <laughs> Which I don't uh, mind. I don't mind. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I you. Um, but, you know, and, you know, we talked about the different flavors, you know, Deco Punk and Diesel, Dark Deco and, and you know, let's throw in Gothic Diesel. Um, if, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts. You know, is there something we're missing? You know, uh, one of our fans, John Wilson, uh, uh, he, you know, he brought Dark Deco, which I think is uh, is my favorite of them. I know Johnny's very, de- uh, he's more Deco punk. Uh, I'm very Dark Deco. Um, I, so if there's something out there we haven't talked about, by all means, drop us a line, friend me on uh, Facebook, uh, join our Facebook groups. We'd love to hear from you. Yep. Johnny, since you're losing your voice, do you have any last words? No, I, you know, I think we've had a great conversation. I think Larry summed it up perfectly. Let us know. Be in con- we, we depend on you guys listening for feedback, and, and we would love to get your input. And, you know, drop us a letter. Drop us a line. You know, we, we might invite you to be a guest on the show. At least read your comments. We'll share it. And of course, I've I've saved the best for last. Daisy, do you have any any last thoughts on on all of this? Any last thoughts on all of this for tonight? Uh, do you have any last last thoughts to close out the show? Well, just any last thoughts in general. Let's see. Uh, uh, is there anything exciting coming up? We've got Mid South Con coming up in a couple weeks, and I am going to be there. I'm going to be a panelist. I have no idea what panels I'm doing, but I'll. I'll try to get uh, at least one diesel punk related uh, panel or costume or something going to represent the crowd. So uh, you could be looking forward to that. But as far as uh, that's um, that's the only thing I really have going on in the future right now, anyway. All right. Well, anyway, folks, thank you for a really great show. Um, I want I Johnny. Do you have a voice to 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 uh, to take us out with? Yeah, sure thing. I'll muster it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. And on behalf of the Fedora Chronicles and the Diesel Punk Podcast, Daisy O'Dare, Larry Amia, and Eric Fisk, this is the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool, John Pica, saying swing hard, swing often, and we'll catch you on the flip side. This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk Podcast. You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our homepages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landron Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman Hats and Reconstructing History. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off, and keep your chins up and your fedoras on.